Morning, everyone. Tell you what, I'd have worn a jumper if I'd known that the offerings were that tricky here. It's cold, isn't it, this morning? Chilly. Lovely to be with you today, though. Um, so good to be back. Um, been uh, quite a few years since I've been here. For those of you that don't know me, um, I was assistant, associate, whatever you want to call me, um, the butt of jokes, as Dan is now. Um, and uh, I, am, I was the butt of jokes from 2002 to 2010, working alongside Dave. Um, had some fantastic years um, together, which was uh, just a real joy. And uh, it's a joy to be back with you today and see so many faces that I know and uh, see some new faces as well. So that's a real pleasure to be here with you. So uh, I live in Penzance in Cornwall. If you don't know your Cornish geography, we are the last town before you hit Land's End. So I live about eight miles from Land's End. Uh, I live about 150 yards from the sea. It's a tough life, isn't it? Um, the end of my road is the beautiful Mount's Bay that looks out across St. Michael's Mount. Uh, is this the kind of thing you're wanting me to say, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we went, um, well, 11 years ago now, uh, end of 2010, planted a church there. And uh, well, we're, st- we're still there. It's still going. The church is still in existence, which is great. And uh, we see some real God's blessing over the last few years. We're about to move into a new building in the next sort of month or so, which we're really looking forward to. It will be our first uh, sort of full-time home that we've had in, in Penzance. So we'll have it 24-7, which is going to be great because we've been renting buildings by the hour thus far, which was a real blessing during the pandemic when we weren't using them. But um, now into this new season, we really want to have a a home that we can be in. So um, ask for your prayers um, as we uh, just fiddle around with solicitors and all of that kind of stuff. Um, So I'm here with Joe and my two younger daughters, which is Tally and Bee. Um, And then my eldest daughter, Ellie, um, is at Bible College now, at Regent's Bible College in Malvern. And she's studying youth work. For those of you who think she's still about that tall, she is now 19, going on 20. Um, so uh, that's kind of us. Um, known Andy, as he said, for many years, we were on the Serious for God youth team back in the day. And uh, we had some real fun times together and working with Mark Pugh, who some of you are known from even longer ago. This is like a nostalgic time, isn't it? Thinking back to all these people. Um, so it's really good to see Andy again because it's been quite a few years because of all that's gone on. But lovely to be with you today. So nice to see you. I want to uh, read from Scripture. You'll be pleased to know. Um, so uh, we're going to go to the back end of the book of Acts, uh, to the chapters that you never really read, because um, we sort of read the first half and then we sort of fizzle out quite often in the book of Acts, which is a shame, because the latter ones are fantastic. So Acts chapter 27 is where we're going to go. Um, this is Paul who's been on trial because of his faith. And uh, because he's a Roman citizen, he's got the right to appeal directly to Caesar. So he takes up that right and uh, he heads off under the care of a centurion um, on a boat towards Italy. And uh, he knows he's heading towards imprisonment. He knows he will most likely lose his life for his faith. He knows where he's going. It's been prophesied to him by a guy called Agabus already. And uh, we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 27 and in verse 7. So Acts 27, verse 7. It says, We made slow headway for many days. This is on the boat now. And had difficulty arriving off Snidus. When the winds did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmone. 
We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassay. I always think Fair Havens sounds like an old people's home, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> came to a place called Fair Havens. Uh, anyway, it wasn't. Uh, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because it was now after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be da- disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbour in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Corda, we were hardly able to make the, the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis. I should have practiced some of these names, shouldn't I? They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you'd have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, "'Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved.' So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You've not eaten anything. Now I urge you, not, I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Up. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they'd eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Amen. Fantastic passage. I love the back end of the book of Acts. It's like it's really exciting stuff. There's kind of really dramatic um, retelling of what is going on. Paul's on this boat heading to Italy. They're making such slow progress because the wind is blowing into them and they can't sort of get anywhere. And uh, Luke says... This is after the Day of Atonement, 
which is Yom Kippur, apparently. Uh, the Day of Atonement falls between the mid-September, middle October. It's been worked out that if this was AD 59, apparently the Day of Atonement was on the 5th of October in that year. So it's about now. This is happening after that. So we're sometime towards the end of October. Worst time for storms in the Mediterranean, apparently. And uh, then this kind of gentle wind comes in, and it, it lulls them into like a full sense of security. They're like, yeah, we can do this. We'll make the next harbour. So, so they set sail, and they just start going out. They take their moment. But suddenly, this massive hurricane sweeps in and rolls across, and it, and it kind of blows through for two solid weeks. It says they couldn't see the sun or the stars. In other words, it was just grey cloud and hurricane force winds for 14 days. I live near the sea. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but I live near the sea. And uh, we get some massive Atlantic storms roll in and whack against the seawall just at the end of our road. I remember years ago when we had storm after storm after storm. And I'd, one night lying in bed and feeling my house shake every time the sea hit the wall. As it whacks in and it's like a sort of four or five story hotel at the end of my road, between me and the sea, and because uh, I, live, I live near the sea, and uh, this, um, waves would hit the sea wall and they'd crash over the top of this five-story hotel. Absolutely massive. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of quite scary, even when you're a long way back from it. But Paul and the others are in this little boat. It really wouldn't have been very big. This tiny little boat out in the midst of this storm. Not like the cruise liners that you lot go on holiday on, you know, with the kind of anti-roll stabilizers so that you don't spill your cocktail. It wasn't like one of those. Like a tiny little boat, really, by today's standards, and they're being battered around. It's scary. They don't know the outcome. In fact, it says that they gave up all hope. Now, in the Bible, storms aren't just weather events they are weather events but they're almost always pictures as well they're like sort of allegories or images if you like they used to describe the kind of tough times that we go through in our lives that's what often storms are pictured you see it throughout the bible we talk about it don't we we talk about the storms of life the things that we go through the hard times the difficulties all that kind of stuff and there's so much that we can learn from this passage in a sort of pictorial is it allegor allegorical? That's the word I'm looking for. Allegorical way. And uh, for what we've been through in the last 18, 19, 20 months, what we've been through generally, nationally, but also for what you guys have been through, particularly as a church. And uh, there's much that we can learn from this. And I just want to draw out a few points um, this morning, um, really just around the advice that Paul gives to the sailors that I think is also quite helpful for us. So I've just got 25, 26 points for us to work through. No, I, haven't, I haven't got many points at all, so we're just going to work through a few points. Do you remember, do you remember when, I, when I was here, I used to say, first point, everyone shout firstly. Do you remember I used to do that? That was so annoying, wasn't it? Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, turn to the person next to you and say, firstly. Yeah, yeah moved on from that. Do you know, it, just, it seemed good at the time. I was young. Felt amusing. Thank you for being so gracious with me. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? So, firstly, 
firstly. First bit of advice that Paul gives to the sailors is this. He says, keep up your courage. Keep up your courage. First thing he says, verse 22, he says, now I urge you, keep up your courage. He says it again, verse 25, keep up your courage. You know, the storm's been going on for a long time now. Probably at this point when he speaks, it's probably between one and two weeks. Let's say 10 days of solid storm. You know, that is rough, isn't it? I spent six hours on a ferry on the way to France in the storm. It felt like an eternity. These guys, 10 days of solid storm. And even before the storm had hit, they had been making really slow progress, it tells us. Slow progress. This had been a really tough kind of journey overall. And I, I guess I think if there's ever an, an analogy really for how the church generally in the UK has been in the last few years, it's that. It's that we've been making quite slow progress and then a storm hit. It kind of feels a bit like that, doesn't it? You know, let's be honest, because even before COVID, we were generally making pretty slow progress in terms of the gospel, weren't we? I mean, maybe you were living in personal revival and victory, in which case, bless you, but just keep quiet, okay? <laughs> we don't want to hear about that. Um, but No, I don't mean that. But, you know, for most of us, if we're honest, and I say this for myself as well, it was pretty slow going a lot of the time. Even my own relationship with God, but certainly for all of us as churches, we were not, we were not living in revival. There were not thousands of people turning to the Lord. It was, it was slow, even before COVID. In terms of seeing people saved and our towns and our cities transformed, we were working hard. To use the phrase here, we were making slow headway. And I don't know about you, but I have often in the last few years felt like I've been sailing into the wind and making slow progress. Neil Horton here used to give a phrase. I don't know if he still says it. There are times of rowing and times of blowing. Do you remember that one, Neil? Times of rowing and times of blowing. In other words, there's times when you just have to get on the oars and row, and it's really slow. And times the Holy Spirit blows into the wind. Pre-COVID, a lot of it felt like quite a time of rowing a lot of the time. And just when we were thinking, well, this is, this is hard work, isn't it? Suddenly, the storm of COVID hit. Suddenly this hurricane-force wind blew in and, and just, yeah, like, like it did for Paul, just wreaked havoc with everything that we knew with our lives, our families, our businesses, our church, our activities, all the things that we did. And for all of us who, who have DCC in our heart, we lost our friend and our pastor at the same time as all of that. As we were plunged into this storm of COVID, we were plunged into a storm of personal and corporate grief, and yet we couldn't even be together. It was such a stormy time. And maybe, maybe you've lost some other people in your life. Or you've had situations that you've gone through. Maybe lost a business, lost a job. Maybe you've had stress at home. And the, and the storm just has kept blowing in over these 18 months or so. And just like verse 15 said, you can't head into a storm like that. You end up having to just give way to it. And it blows you along in the direction it blows you. And suddenly, 18, 19, 20 months later, you suddenly stop and think, my life, how do we end up here? This storm has blown me all sorts of directions that I didn't think I was going in. I was heading in that direction, albeit slowly. And suddenly I'm over here. And you know what the tendency is for a lot of us in a situation like that? A lot of us give up, if we're honest. I mean, 
maybe not give up completely on God, turn our back or, or anything like that, maybe not that, but actually we dial, down, we dial things down, don't we? We dial our faith down, we dial our dreams down, we dial back the adventure for God, we sort of batten down the hatches and just think, oh, God, this is hard work, let's just see if we can get through this and, and whatever. And you know, and I get that totally because we're tired, we're exhausted by all this, emotionally, physically, tired out, wondering when this is going to end, if we're going to make it through. But I want to say to us today that the advice that Paul gave to those sailors is the same advice that I think God would give us today and that I want to urge us with, including myself, which is keep up your courage. Keep up your courage, church. Derby City Church, keep your courage up. Now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to turn your back on God. Now is not the time to batten down the hatches. Now is not the time to give up coming to church or to give up serving or to give up giving or to give up loving the community or to give up holding out the gospel to this great city of Derby. Now is not the time to give up worshipping him. Now is not the time to just think, oh, this is our work, can't bother with this. Now is not the time to do those things. Don't give up putting him first in your life. Take courage, keep up your courage, Paul says, and I think would say to us today. And why can we keep up our courage? Well, Paul says it, verse 25, keep up your courage, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. In other words, I've got faith because God has given me a promise and God always honours and keeps his promises. Always. He never breaks a promise. Derby City Church, God has given you a promise. He's given you loads, actually. He's given you promise after promise. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of death will not overcome. That's a promise from God. Do you believe that today, church? We need to. He said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's a promise from God, a promise that we need to believe. He said, um, in the valley, even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't fear evil because I am with you. That's a promise from the Lord. He said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll have power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a promise from God. Do you believe that today? Not my life. Do you believe that promise today? Keep up your courage, Derby City Church. He says in his word that his divine power has given us everything we need for godliness and for living. That's a promise from God that he's given to us. He said he is able to guard that which we've entrusted to him until that day. That is a promise from God. God has given us promise after promise after promise in his word. And maybe he's given you some personal promises as well from his word. Things that he's spoken into your life that he's has just brought out of God's word that is just amazing for you. You know, it's just for you. So the reason that you and I can keep up our courage is because of the promises of God in his word. Not just because we're sort of trying to whip up something between us. It's because of God's word. And God keeps his promises. If God has said it, it'll happen. So keep up your courage. Let me tell you something I'm guilty of. Don't panic, nothing too personal, but I'm guilty of spending more time looking at the COVID statistics than I am in God's word, the promises in his word. I am, every day, just after four o'clock, because that's when they publish them. I have a little look just to see how many cases were there today. Is it going up? Is it going down? How many deaths? What's happening in Cornwall? I have a little look, you know, you put your postcode into the thing and it tells you how many cases there are. I'm like, oh, 
25 cases where I live. That's a lot. I'm, I'm, I'll do that regularly. And I am guilty of doing that, but then not looking at the promises of God as regularly as that. We've got to get ourselves back, and I preach this to me as well, get ourselves back into God's word and to the promises that he's made. You know, one of the first sermons I ever preached at Bible College 20-something years ago, um, which I can still remember because I got a good mark for it. Uh, some of them I did really badly, and we've forgotten those ones. Um, but I preached a sermon about Lazarus. And, uh, you know, and his, his sisters, Mary and Martha, and Lazarus dies. And uh, his sisters, Mary and Martha, are plunged into this storm of grief and of suffering. And uh, Jesus had made a promise before Lazarus had died that this situation is not going to end in death. And yet it looked like Lazarus had died. And so when Jesus arrives, Mary and Martha are there. And Martha's saying, Lord, if you'd been here, if you'd done something earlier, then the things could have been different but Jesus had made a promise. He said, this is not going to end in death. So he walks up to the tomb and he says, Lazarus, out you come. Lazarus comes out. And Mary and Martha, what do they do? Keep up their courage. Because God had promised, Jesus had promised, and he never, ever forgets or doesn't keep a promise. Whatever the situation and the circumstances might look like, God is a promise-keeping God. So take courage, Derby City Church, because the promises of God are still standing even 18 months later, after a COVID and after the grief and the loss that we've suffered, his promises are still yes and amen. So take courage. Second thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Stay together. Stay together. Verse 30, it says, In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. In other words... Some of them tried to slip away without anyone noticing. They tried to be a little bit sneaky and just slip out the back door. They were experienced sailors. They knew that land was nearby. They'd been taking soundings of the depths and perhaps they recognised the current changes. Perhaps they uh, heard or saw something in the distance. They recognised that land was nearby and they thought, well, we could just nip off here. We're close enough to just get in that little lifeboat and we might be able to make it on our own. Forget that lot, you know, see ya. Sucks to be you. And they jump in the boat and they're trying to get away and they would have been off. When you're in the midst of a storm and it's raging all around you, you know, there isn't usually time to think about anything other than survival. And so you tend to just sort of, let's just get through this. Let's just hold together as all hands on deck, you know, tie the ropes Sort the sails out, batten down the hatches, let get everything sorted, let's just get through, get rid of the excess weight um, and just hold tight while the hurricane blows through. But the sight of dry land, the thought that you're coming through this storm, the thought that actually maybe this is coming towards an end, the promise of some safety and stillness makes people do the strangest things. They have a habit of jumping then not during the storm. You see it sometimes with married couples. They go through the most terrible situation, maybe a sick child or something, and they hold together all the way through, and then when the child is well, they split up. As a pastor, I've seen that. It's so sad. You see it in other relationships. People go through terrible times, and they hold together only to come out of it and then to split up. And sadly, you see it in churches as well sometimes. They hold together through the tough times, and then as hope is in sight, People jump and slip away. But Paul says, no, 
Now's the time to stay together, stay on the boat. We've been through the storm together, so let's sail into the harbour together. We've been through the hard time together, so let's come into the better times together. Don't jump ship now and head off. Let's stay together. Remember what the writer to the Hebrew says in chapter 10? He says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, COVID and lockdown and all of what we've gone through has created some new habits in us. Some of them are are good habits. I developed a habit of eating chocolate every night and watching box sets. Fantastic habit. (laughs) Swear by it. It's it's amazing. It's changed my life. (laughs) But some habits are not so good. Some habits are bad. The habit of not coming to church. Because it's easier to watch at home, isn't it? I'm not talking about those, you know, for health reasons. What I'm not talking about that. I'm talking for those who it's just easier to watch on the TV. The habit of not being part of the groups that you were once part of, the home groups, the support groups, the habit of not serving in the ministries that you were once part of. And we dress it up and we say, well, it's not all about Sundays. Can I be honest that most of the time when we say it's not all about Sundays, it's not all about any other day either. It's just an excuse to not bother coming. It's not all about Sundays. It's about every day. Yeah, but it is about Sundays. It is about being together. It is about gathering as the church. You know, we need each other. We literally do need each other. I've been a pastor for 20 years now, despite my youthful looks. It's amazing, isn't it? But I have been. And uh, over that time, I can say I don't think I've ever seen anyone who has slipped away from church really flourish in the Lord. I don't think I've ever seen it. Slipping away doesn't bring us closer to God. It takes us away from him usually. You need the people around you. You do. And they need you. You need the people near you, even the really annoying ones. You know the ones. You can think of one now, can't you? If you can't think of an annoying person, maybe you are that one. In which case... Thank you for your blessing to the church because the others need you. <laughs> you are making everyone else more Christ-like. So, <laughs> you know, if you want to develop grace and patience and become more Christ-like, do you think you're going to do that at home on your own? Well, bits of it, but you need to be with each other. You need to rub up against other people and learn grace and patience together. We need to be together. Now, you're all here this morning, so I'm preaching to the choir and I'm preaching to the converted. I, I recognize that. Or those of you that are here in the room. And my purpose is not to send people on a guilt trip. Um, that's not what I'm here for. But I want to say if there's any of you here in person or online and you're thinking or are already slipping away, can I encourage you to stay? To stay together? To keep part of the church? You've been through the storm together, so sail into the harbour together as well. If you're thinking of slipping away to another church, don't do it. Derby City Church needs you. And you need Derby City Church. And that's not just flannel. It's true. The church needs you. It's not the same without you. You think no one misses me? Yeah, they do. This church is not the same when you're not here. I suspect as well that all of us here know some people who have or are slipping away. 
Even if you're you know, strong, and I um, thank God for all of you here, but maybe you know some people who are not around anymore. Perhaps in the early days of lockdown, they were connecting regularly online, but even that is now starting to slip away and they're not around so much. And it's been great to see new people connect, and we love all of that, but all of us know people, I'm sure, that we don't see so much anymore. Let me just encourage you, give them a prod. Give them an encouragement. Send them a message. Say, it's not the same without you. When you come back to church... Why don't you start watching online again? Give them a prod. Give them an encouragement. Not in a sort of negative way. Where are you? Not that kind of way. But like a, we'd love you to come back. Just let's stay together. Don't leave that to the pastors. I mean, these two here. What chance have we got then? But <laughs> Sorry, I'm joking. But honestly, it's it's not... Pastoring is it's not just the job of pastors, is it? Pastors is the job of all of us. We all look out for each other. So can I encourage you to do that? Okay, so Paul says, take courage. Then he says, stay together. Let's crack on. That clock's got smaller since I was last year. I can hardly see it. It's nothing to do with my age. Um, third thing I want to say to us this morning. Look after each other. Look after each other. Verse 33 says, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. This 14-day storm had taken its toll on these guys, and most of them hadn't eaten properly. They probably hadn't slept properly. Paul says, you've been in constant suspense. We might say you've been in constant stress or constant anxiety over this season and it had uh, had an effect on them perhaps the sea was so rough they were even feeling more seasick than they would normally whatever the reason though they haven't eaten for two whole weeks so Paul says come on guys you need some food eat look after yourselves we're not going to get through this unless you look after yourselves he says Paul took bread broke it gave thanks and ate that reminds us of something else doesn't it reminds us of the Lord's table now I don't think that Paul was having a communion Lord's table with these guys because they weren't Christians that would have been an odd thing to do but I think Luke who wrote this is reminding us of that table he's reminding us of what Jesus has done for us as we read it remember what the Lord has done for you how he's provided for you how he has looked after you how he's brought you through a storm I actually though really want to take this down to a much more ordinary level and less spiritual level these men were hungry so Paul organized and encouraged them to eat This storm that we've been through, that you guys have been through over the last 18, 19 months, you felt acutely as a church, will have taken its toll. So look after each other. Look after each other, Derby City Church. Don't judge people for responding differently to COVID. For some people... um, it's a breeze, they're not bothered about it, they're not fearful at all, they don't, you know, they've got no worries, they don't care about it. For others, it's very concerning. Let's not judge each other for how we respond. Just because someone reacts differently to you doesn't make them weak, it doesn't make them anything different. They're just different to you, responding differently. Look after each other, care for each other, provide for each other. That's the Christ-like thing to do. And can I say something else about this? Don't sit back and assume that the organized ministries of the church will look after the people in the church. Food bank is fantastic. Give to it. 
But don't just leave that to look after other people. Organized pastoral care is fantastic, but don't just sit back and let that do it. Groups that care for people and look after people are great, but don't just sit back and think, okay, well, the church will do that. The church will organize. Those things are never substitutes for just being the local church. Why don't you pop around to someone's house with a meal? Everyone loves that. Everyone, who doesn't love a casserole on the doorstep? <laughs> it's fantastic, isn't it? Drop off some flowers or chocolates. If it's me, chocolates. Send an encouraging message. Send a text. Send a card. Send something that just lifts somebody's spirit a little bit. Take someone out for a coffee. Stuff some cash or a check through, through the door in an envelope. I mean, literally, who does not like cash through the door it's great as a pastor right there's two times when a handwritten envelope comes through my door one complaint resignation they're off the other is cash and you never know until you open it which is going to be and I tell you when it's cash it's fantastic it's so good love it I said somebody in our church every so often just gives us a gift um just and it is such a blessing. And I can tell you that it almost always comes when we've needed it. They didn't know that. And he just popped it through the door and it's like, wow, that's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Sometimes you just got to give a message to someone to say, you know, I'm praying for you. Don't say, I'm praying for you because I saw you on Sunday and you looked a bit rough. <laughs> Don't say that. I thought you were looking really tired. All right. How are you? You look really tired. I thought I thought I was alright. Sorry. Um, don't don't dress it up in that. Just just say I'm praying for you. It it just lifts people's spirits. I just kind of want to pull us to this ordinary moment. Paul says, "Guys on the boat, you've been not eating for two weeks. You're hungry. You need to eat. Really practical. We need to be really practically looking after each other, caring for each other, being the church." together you know now is the time to show incredible grace to each other okay last thing I want to say to you Paul said keep up your courage then he says stay together then he says look after each other finally there's a there's a warning and it's this Paul doesn't say this I'm saying this be on your guard when the storm subsides be on your guard when the storm subsides um we didn't read chapter 28, uh, but if you see it, you'll see that Paul arrives on the island of Malta. And he gets there, and they, they come off board, off the ship, still are halfway through their journey. They haven't arrived fully yet, but they come into a moment of peace and safety. And the Maltese people invite them in, and they light a fire, and they give them food, and it's lovely. And Paul is in this moment of quiet. And in this moment where his guard is down, he plunges his hand into a pile of wood, and a snake bites him. And it says it hangs off his hand. Which would have been really you know, annoying, wouldn't it? You've just been through all that storm and then you get bitten by a snake when you think you're safe. Now in the, in the end, Paul's fine. He, he doesn't suffer from it. But it, I just want us to notice this. These sailors have taken courage. They've stayed together. They've looked after each other. And that part of the storm has passed and just as they have arrived at this moment and they think they're safe that is when Satan jumps in and bites everybody's guard is down they think they're safe Satan bites 
you know, as we all come hopefully through this storm and who knows what this winter will hold, but at some point in the next few months, we are going to come through this storm and come out the other side of it. Let's be on our guard for Satan's tricks. He still doesn't want us to get to our destination. He still doesn't want Derby City Church to flourish. He still doesn't want people to be saved. He's still looking for moments to just jump in. To use Peter's sort of slightly different word picture, he says, be alert and of sober mind. Your, de- your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Watch out. Watch out for him. Particularly as the storm subsides. Keep close together. Pray for each other. Pray for the church. Pray for Andy. Pray for Dan. Pray for the other leaders of the church. Pray for all that goes on here. Pray for protection. Don't give Satan a foothold that he can jump in and bite and hang off your hand. Don't let him get his fangs in and fasten onto you like he did there in that moment. Let me bring it all to a close. So, Derby City Church, keep up your courage. Keep up your courage because God's promised so much and he will fulfill his promises. Stay together. Now's not the time to slip away and think no one will notice or jump ship. Stay together. Look after each other. Don't think someone else will do it. Let's care for each other, show grace to each other and be on your guard. Watch out for the tricks of Satan as you come out of the storm because he's still there. So my prayer for you, DCC, is that God will bless you and that the greatest days of this church are still to come. When I preached online, I, I joked about how when I was here with Dave, you know, some people call it the glory days. Um, that was a joke, all right? My honest prayer is that the best days of this church are to come. The best days are in the future. That actually God is going to do so much in you and through you that he's going to change this city through this church and through the other gospel preaching churches in this city and that we will see people saved and set free and delivered and that we will see the city of Derby transformed and this nation of England and the United Kingdom transformed by the gospel. That is my prayer for you as a church. So may God bless you and be with you. And to quote Neil Horton again, it's been a time of rowing, but let's pray that this next season will be a time of blowing, that we can get the sail up and the Holy Spirit will blow us. Can I pray for you? Father, I want to thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for decades of consistent, loving witness to this city. I thank you, Lord, that whenever it's been through storms, you've brought it through. And we know, Lord, you will bring it through this storm. And out the other side. And so I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here, for those watching uh, at home online. And I pray, Lord, that you bless them. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, cause them to keep up the courage to stay together, to look after each other, and to be on their guard for all that Satan may throw at them. Would you bless this church? Would you bless it abundantly? Lord, may there be salvations in this place over the next years. May there be people set free and released from addictions and from terrible situations. May things be turned around in this city. And we pray, Lord, that many will come to faith in Jesus. And so, Lord, we just pray now for your blessing in Jesus' name.
Amen.